you will never regret in the long run staying true to who you are. Right. But you cannot do that if you haven't asked yourself, who am I? What is it that I stand for? And a lot of people, particularly if you're successful and if you perform at a high level, what happens is very quickly you are given more and more responsibility. And in our attempts to live up to those responsibilities to others, we sometimes never take the time to actually reflect on who it is that we want to be. So some of the people least aware of who it is they want to be are the most successful people I know. Inspiring. Inspiring. Empowering. Empowering. With the concepts shared by Eric Thurwinger, you can reach your goals and achieve greater results. Think Think great. great. Your pathway to success. Ready to get started? Hey, great thinkers. This is Eric Thurwanger, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of Think Great, Your Pathway to Success. This is your podcast dedicated exclusively to the strategies and techniques that are going to elevate your personal success. In addition to hearing some of my personal experiences in life and business, I'm committed to bringing on other thought leaders so you can hear new and exciting ideas and concepts to make your pathway an even greater experience. If you're enjoying our podcast, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a positive review. This will really help us to grow and reach more people. All right, so today I'm very excited to have a special guest with us, Drew Dudley. Drew is the founder and chief catalyst of Day One Leadership. He specializes in creating value-driven cultures of leadership. He's an author, world-renowned speaker, and has had several dynamic TED Talks, which I absolutely love. Here's my conversation with Drew Dudley. listening to your podcasts and and watching your TED Talks, and uh, I am just blown away at your focus on leadership. Very impressive. Oh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Well, I'm sure you've had a large increase in success after all the TED Talks. You must be getting some great feedback from those. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, People who are kind enough to actually reach out, love it. It's It's been great. Uh, I don't read the quotes uh, or the, the comments anymore mm-hmm. because I can't believe how much fault people can find with six minutes on lollipops. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they, <laughs> I, you know, I hadn't actually looked at them for a while until we were doing some stuff with the website, but I knew that the, the lollipop one had gotten a lot of traction, Yeah, but uh, I had no idea that some of the others were up over 30,000, 50,000 views. That kind of blew me away to be honest. So, and the best one, like the one where I actually feel as if I'm a decent speaker uh, has hardly any. Uh, the one called um, uh, The Game Has No Winners, which is actually my favorite one. And it's got the least amount of views. So uh, maybe we should do something to get it out there. I'll ask Sarah what we should do. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes it's hard to gauge that. The ones we feel the best about sometimes are the not necessarily the, the, the most well-received. But that's a, you know, and I think that's an interesting point that leads into leadership is that you never know what's going to strike somebody and cause that passion in them and cause that excitement and really resonate with them. Yeah, it's and that's one thing social media really, like, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And and what it's really taught me is to be a little bit more aware of the possibilities of what might happen. Yeah. Is, like, just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean stuff that I didn't think was very good, like, all of a sudden took off. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say very good, I, I mean, I don't try to put out things that aren't good. But there's stuff that I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't our strongest work or this right. isn't the most insightful thing. And then people just run with it. So... 
Um, hey, it's not for me to determine what's going to be valuable to people. It's to try to put out the stuff that I honestly feel could be most useful. Right. Well, you know, when I started my company, Think Great, I started it in 2008, and I started it on the concept that I wanted to help people accomplish their goals. So I started off with a goal-setting book, and that led into a sales book. And ultimately, what I do most of my training, development, speaking on now is leadership. It is the most requested topic. I mean, people are hungry for it. And the cool thing is that you can talk about anything that is going to make people better and happier in the context of leadership, Absolutely. right? And, and that's one thing. Like someone asked me, are you really a leadership speaker? And I'm like, you know what? I don't even know anymore. Like what I am is a here's some useful things speaker. And people also ask, are you a motivational speaker? And I'm always – I think maybe it's because I grew up in the era of uh, Matt Foley on Saturday Night Live. It's always been a – but – I've always thought that useful and compelling ideas are inherently motivating, right? Yeah. And so, as I'll say to a lot of young speakers, not even young speakers, but new speakers, they're like, oh, I really want to motivate and inspire. I'm like, never go on stage trying to motivate and inspire. That's right. Go on stage trying to be useful. Yeah. And if you go on stage trying to be useful, it, it reminds you that it really isn't about you. You're, you're only there to try to make other people's lives better somehow. And, and if you do it well, people get inspired. That's right. But make being useful, not inspiring. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I go on stage, I look to have an outcome, and, and rarely do I ever set the outcome of motivating somebody. But when you deliver the right message, motivation just happens naturally, and I think it even transpires into that long-term permanent inspiration. So that, that message is always my focal point, and that's why I found so much passion with leadership is that you know, at the at the ground floor, you can inspire people by planting those seeds, and I know that's something that you believe in too, that leadership is really for everybody. Yeah, without a doubt, or a form of leadership is for everybody. But I mean, that's that's why I always like adding that question in uh, yep. about are you really saying everyone can be a leader? Because I think that's a valid question, right? Uh, and I think it's one that tends to be addressed because I'm like, yeah, there's a form of leadership to which we are all capable of, which we are all capable. Yeah, and I think and even in my book, the very first suggestion I make, it's right under the introduction. It says, make the decision to lead. I think too many people are in a position of leadership, but they've never been explained the purpose of leadership. And when you make that choice to lead, to really, and I mean lead at the higher level where you're inspiring and you're motivating and you're delegating and communicating, it moves so much past the management of people. and moves into that leadership role where you make an impact in the lives of others. Yeah, and that's sort of, that takes the rewards on that. Like make what I, I tell people like start, you know, the whole idea of right. day one start because I'm not going to have to convince you once you start. Like once you start, the motivation sort of turns in on itself. Like right. you do it, you create a moment, you get the feedback and you realize, man, I feel good. And so then it takes off from there. But you have to start. And, yeah. and people think oh, we've got this really competitive world. If I add value to other people, if I give to other people. I'm going to get screwed over. And hey, I don't deny like five out of if you if you try to always add value to other people, five out of 10 won't care. Three out of 10 will screw you. But two out of 10, they it really it really is something that changes them. And you keep doing enough people, two out of 10 adds up in a hurry. Right. And That's the five right. who don't care aren't going to impact you. And the three who screwed you are going to get them eventually. Mm -hmm. But the two, the two, you add enough of those twos. Uh, and your life gets real cool. It does. You know, it's interesting. When I look back on when I started in leadership, I never thought that I would become a trainer or development of 
leadership for people and, and, and go across the country and speak on it or write a book on it. And I can actually pinpoint the day that my leadership journey started. Uh, I went into the United States Marine Corps, August 24th, 1987. I thought I was entering boot camp, but what I really entered was a pathway to leadership where they started instilling leadership traits and principles right out of the gates with us. So it was a little different than what I thought to expect in boot camp. But I like to say that I'm still on my leadership journey. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you is, when did you realize that you were on a leadership journey? When did that begin for you? You know what? There's, for me, I, I've never been able to pinpoint the spot because there was a real shift that happened for me in mm-hmm. the middle of the journey. Because when people say, where did your leadership journey start now? My answer is always, well, this morning. <laughs> like my leadership journey started this morning. And I didn't used to think like that, but every single day my leadership journey starts in the morning and I try to forget everything that happened before, <laughs> both good and bad. Sure. Because somewhere along the line, we started treating leadership like it's a rank. Like once like in the military, like once you achieve it, you get to keep it. Like once you're captain, once you're major, you get to keep that until you do something to lose it or you die or you get promoted, right? Mm-hmm. And I started to realize like what if we stopped believing that leaders exist except when they are demonstrating leadership? And I define that as adding value or endeavoring to add value to other people, right? So instead of saying, you know, Phil is a leader uh, or Drew is a leader, the idea is, you know, you say uh, Drew is often a leader or Drew is usually a leader. And so if we realize that a leader is kind of like, like those old school video games, like where you temporarily get really big or you can't be killed. <laughs> uh, in those moments where you are endeavoring to add value, you are a leader. I am a leader in those moments when I'm actively engaging in the process of leadership and trying to add value to other people. When I am not doing that, I am not a leader. And that's okay. And I think we should teach people that instead of trying to, to achieve this point where you've done enough or you've achieved enough where you are given the title of leader – and you kind of keep it forever, even if you're not doing anything to keep adding value. If instead we say that leadership is sort of a transient position, sure. that in the moments where you're demonstrating leadership, you are a leader. So for me, my leadership journey started this morning, and I got up and I said, okay, what percentage of today am I actively going to be engaging in trying to add value to my life and the lives of other people? I didn't used to see it that way, mm-hmm. because if you're young and if you get good grades, uh, very quickly on, you're sort of given this impression that you have potential, that you have the ability to lead other people or to have a big impact in the world. And then you feel like you have to live up to that. And I sort of embraced, like a lot of people do, this idea that there is a small group that is a group of leaders, right? And if right. you work hard and you outperform other people, then you get to have access to that group and it comes with more prestige and more rewards. And the way you do that is you outperform other people. And the way I manifested that is I had to look better on paper, right? I had to look better on paper than other people. Mm -hmm. I had to have bigger titles. I had to go to better schools. I had more letters after my name. And so my leadership journey in that version of myself started when I I first started getting grades that were better than other people. Right. And for a long time, that little conception of leadership as this exclusive club really – drove me to always just try to look good on paper and to always try to outperform the people around me. It wasn't until I that I finally started to see leadership as something that had to be earned in a moment and on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, I can't really think of a moment like when I started outperforming other people academically, 
that's when I started to see myself as, oh, something, I, I'm supposed to live up to something. Hmm. And then, you know, there were some moments as I got a little older that I started to realize the biggest impact I had had nothing to do with what I had achieved or what I had acquired hmm. or how I looked on paper. It was how I was impacting other people. That's right. And that's really, I think leadership is making one big decision to make a series of consistent, positive, small decisions over and over every single day. Wow. So, you know, when did my journey start? This morning when I got out of bed. And it'll do the same <laughs> thing tomorrow. I love what you said. I don't think I've ever heard anybody relate leadership to an 80s video game. Mm. And I'm going to start on that for a second because I think that every action you take as a leader is like that power-up pellet. And, yeah. and, and I love that analogy because, one, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s. So um, I love the ability to earn it where it's not given to you. And I think that that's something I learned in the Marine Corps. You know, everything that they do, there's three words just so powerful for them in everything. It's earned, never given. And I think what I'm hearing you saying is you have to earn that right to call yourself a leader every day. And you have to earn it through the actions that you take to impact others. I love that. That inspires yeah, me. Thank you. And the problem is, I think that society treats it like if you did something or you reached a certain level five years ago, right. now you're a leader. All right. Like you started a company once, so you're a leader. Hmm. I'm like, if you haven't done anything today to earn the title, you're not a leader. Right? right. So I think we should teach it like that. Instead of saying Drew is a leader, yep. my goal is to have it say that Drew is usually a leader. And there is no shame that there are some moments in your life where you're not doing it. And that's OK. I, I think that opens it up to a lot more people. That's right. You know, like me, you probably as a leadership, I'll say speaker, as a leadership coach, you know, when people are asking you questions about leadership, you probably get in inquiries from a lot of people that are new in their position of leadership. And what I hear is you're giving them hope. You're giving them something that they can step into where you, you almost take the onus off of, um, I have to be a great world leader in order to consider myself a leader, but I can actually be a leader in the position that I'm in right now. So when you meet people who are new to leadership, what type of advice do you give to them? Well, the, the one, number one thing is I try to reframe the concept to them. I'm like, you're not new to leadership. Hmm. You have been leading all along. What you're new to is having a title and don't let it freak you out, right? Like you have a title or you have a position right. or you have some sort of formal leadership role. But what got you to that role is how you behaved on a day-to-day -day basis hmm. and how you made other people feel and how you empowered other individuals. That, and you've been doing that all along. So don't look at this and say, oh, my God, what do I do now? Simply say, okay, what is it that I hope to stand for in this role? What is it that I want other people to walk away having learned from me or able to do as a result? And just realize that whatever you have been doing on a daily basis to impact other human beings is what got you here. You are not in a new leadership position. You have been leading all along. And don't try to become something new. Simply recognize what it was you were doing that was most effective that got you into this role and make sure that you consciously keep doing it specifically every single day. Hmm. I like that. And it just gives them that desire that they can become something bigger than themselves. In other words, it's not so overwhelming. It's just that they can, they can fulfill that purpose of leadership without having to worry about fulfilling what that title is and understanding yeah. that they can, they can make that impact every single day. Yeah, and, and they have been, clearly, that they have right. been to get there. So don't try to become something new. Simply reinforce what it is that you've been able to do effectively thus far, 
And maybe they haven't taken the time to really recognize what that is. So one of the first things I often will tell, you know, quote, new leaders or see themselves as new leaders is let's take a step back and start to identify what is your personal leadership philosophy? So what criteria do you use to make decisions on a daily basis? What are the core values that you want to live every single day? And once you establish those things and once you say, okay, these are the values I want to live every day and here is my plan to actually do so. Then what you do is every time you have a decision to make, you hold them up next to the, the options up next to this list of values and you say, which one of these options is most consistent with this list of values? Right. And one thing I will tell people when they, they sort of this romanticized version of leadership is on the first day, I want to tell them, look, leadership sucks sometimes, especially personal right. leadership, leading yourself, because sometimes if you establish what are the values you want to stand for and you define them. And then you start using them as criteria for decision making. A lot of times using your core personal values as criteria for decision making will lead to decisions that are not short term good for you. Like they will not allow you to keep make decisions that make you look good right. or, or avoid punishments or take the, like take the money or keep the job or remain in the relationship. That sometimes there will be short term consequences for making right. decisions that are consistent with your values. But it is always the decision you'll be happiest you made five years from now. Like one thing I try to tell people when they find themselves in you know leadership roles is that, look, you are not always going to be in charge of what you do every day, but you will always be in charge of who you are and you will never regret in the long run staying true to who you are. Right. But you cannot do that if you haven't asked yourself, who am I? What is it that I stand for? And a lot of people, particularly if you're successful and if you perform at a high level, what happens is very quickly you are given more and more responsibility. And in our attempts to live up to those responsibilities to others, we sometimes never take the time to actually reflect on who it is that we want to be. So some of the people least aware of who it is they want to be are the most successful people I know because they were so talented. They were given so much responsibility so quickly they never got a chance to sit down and come up with what are the values i want to stand for right what do they mean so that when it's time to make decisions they actually have a set of criteria they always use and i and one of the first things i tell not just you no know, new leaders but everyone one of the greatest things you can do right now today is to say what is the criteria i'm going to use for decision making personally and professionally and those should be the core values that drive you and not enough people right. take the time to find that Hey everybody, it's Eric. I just wanted to share some great information with you. You can go to our website, www.thinkgreat90.com. Scroll down to the bottom and you can register for our Great Thought of the Week, a weekly inspirational message I send out to help you on your pathway to success. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, I talk about it in my books of having that greater purpose where people really understand what their vision is. In other words, when they talk to people, they can communicate that, they can inspire them, they can give them hope. Um, where do you feel leaders find the most challenges? I mean, when we talk about leadership, it can often seem simple, and this is a simple concept, but it's not always easy. And I think that a lot of them struggle with um, taking a simple concept of let me make an impact or let me communicate better, and they still find in the day-to-day -day there's challenges that become obstacles for them. What do you feel holds most leaders back from making that daily impact? You know, uh, where leaders, I think, find the biggest challenges is the really unfortunate fact that what you genuinely believe to be good 
what you genuinely believe to be true or positive impact is almost inevitably going to be seen by someone as negative. And I think that takes a lot of, of getting used to. I think what holds most leaders back from trying to make a daily impact is the fear of how they're going to be perceived by, by others, yeah. um, the fear of loss. Like, honestly, behind everything, every dysfunction interpersonally, every dysfunction in an organization, every reason that you don't do something, there is a fear. And the problem, I think, is, is that we start to try to deal with issues on the level of the behaviors that emerge from the fear rather than, okay, addressing the actual fear itself. So you know what holds leaders back? They're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid of how they're going to look. They're afraid of how they're going to make others feel. They're afraid that what they're going to end up with after they make this decision is worse than what they currently have. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing that holds everyone back from anything. That's is, right. a is a fear that if I do this, if I make this decision, what I will end up with is worse than what I currently have now. Mm -hmm. And that's the number one thing that sort of holds people back is this belief that, look, if you make every decision in your life as if you are standing in front of a group of people explaining how you made the decision five years from now instead of thinking I'm about to make this decision now, a lot of the noise that surrounds our decision-making falls away. Right. Because when you, when you don't know what to do in a situation, ask yourself, what would the person who I want to be do in this situation? And then do that. And that seems simple. And most leaders inherently know it. The problem is that often what the person you want to be would do is going to result in negative consequences for the person you are right now. Mm -hmm. And people would rather sort of make that trade off and think, well, you know what, maybe I'll sort of violate what, what the person I want to be would do now because it's going to be better for more people or it's going to maybe put off an inevitable negative. Uh, you never regret being the person that you want to be, mm -hmm. but you sometimes will get punished for it. And I think coming to grips with that is a really difficult challenge for most people yeah. and most leaders. You know, you hit down on the, the, I'll say the F word, fear. <laughs> we'll keep it clean, though. Yeah. But, you know, I think that what I've encountered when I work with leaders or train leaders or develop leaders, I found that instead of being professionally friendly, they shoot for being everybody's friend. And they yeah. want everybody to like them rather than... Maybe I can make the decisions that need to be made. Maybe I can impact people, but I'll shoot for respect over friendship. And I'm sure you've encountered that too, that people are trying to be friendly. They're trying to be everybody's friend. They want people to like them more than lead them. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I know it's true for me. Uh, and, and like, here's the thing, right? Just because we talk about leadership and coach leadership and teach leadership doesn't mean that we're not fully aware of the ways we don't take our own advice. And yeah, I fall into that trap a lot. And I think you hit it on the head there. Is I had a guest on my podcast recently who said uh, she met someone from her who now worked at her old place of employment. And he said, oh, I heard about you. Uh, you were not well liked, but you were really well respected. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's one thing I'll, I'll often tell people when I talk about this idea of values-based decision-making, like establishing what the values you stand for is that people may not always agree with your decisions, but if you are consistent in the criteria used to make them, they will respect you. That's right. And, and I think that is in the long run, uh, something more desirable. If you try to be liked by everyone, it will be very hard to live up to your core values mm -hmm. because sometimes living up to your core values means making extremely difficult decisions yeah. that make 
that upset some people. And, and so that, that's a challenge. Yeah, you know what? You touched down on a concept that I believe heavily in. Leaders need to be unwavering. And if you don't have those core values and those principles and the traits to stand behind, I think that teams often will test a leader's resolve. In other words, they're going to get to see if they're going to try and get to see if they can make you waver, go back and forth a little bit. And I think that the true test of leadership, like you said, when you focus on those values and those principles is that you're unwavering, which ultimately will lead to you having to make some tough decisions. I was the vice president of a post-production company in Santa Monica for years and not every decision I made did I like. Some of them kept me up the night before. They were the right decision, but it didn't feel right. Yeah. And, and I knew that I might not make a lot of friends off of this decision. But at the end of the day, I did have to make an impact. And ultimately, most of those decisions were based on many of the other people in the company. Unfortunately, maybe one person did something that caused us to take an action that we weren't excited about. But the reality is, is that we had to be unwavering. And, and when you can stay unwavering as a leader, that's when you earn the respect of your peers and your team members and actually start to build those leadership skills. And I think build the confidence up to do more of that. You know what? That's an interesting uh, comment you just said there. It's like it was the right decision, but it didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I wonder because I'm thinking back and I'm like, you know what's interesting, though, is that I think maybe the right way, or not a, the right way, but a different way to say it is that sometimes the right decision won't feel nice. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But it, almost, but it almost always feels right, don't you find? <laughs> like, like it's almost just sort of like it does not feel nice. It feels just icky as all hell, right? Because you know you're going to hurt people. You're not going to upset people. Sometimes they're really important to you. But like it never feels wrong, but it doesn't feel nice. Like sometimes right. the right decision doesn't feel nice, but it genu generally, in my mind, it does feel right. Uh, and that, to me, I think is, is why I always go back to that, that one phrase. When you don't know what to do in a situation, ask yourself, what would the person I want to be do in this situation? That's right. And, and do that. And there's only been a couple of situations in my life where very quickly after asking that question, I didn't know exactly what I really should do. Right. Uh, and those ones, they freak you right out because you're like, oh, this always works. This time yeah. it doesn't. You know, it's interesting. When I... When I coach business leaders, and they can be in, in a variety of industry, they could be in banks, they could be in the retail side of things, construction, you know, one of the things I convey to them is you're in the people business as a leader. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about it doesn't feel nice. I think true leaders, people who really embrace the pure aspects of leadership, really love people. They care about people. They want to earn their respect, and they want to be liked. Um, but then again, it, it gets back to, I think sometimes we feel like we let ourselves down as a leader when we have to hold those consequences up or discipline. I think true leaders feel that they dropped the ball somewhere. I know that's how I felt. Even if I had to fire somebody, even if they did something wrong, I still looked in, inward into myself to say, you know, what could I have done better? And so there's a, there's a part of that fear of failure, even when you're taking the right actions, that maybe I didn't do everything I could as a leader. And I think that intimidates a lot of people. I know it kept me up. Many nights, if I had to do something the next day, even if it was right, even if it didn't feel nice, only because it was a people business, because I cared about my people. Well, it's it's a lot. Uh, one of the things that I've discovered in life is that it's a lot. It's a lot easier to be decisive than certain in life, right? Like it's almost more important right. to be decisive instead of certain, because you can be decisive, but you can very rarely be certain. And that's actually a mantra that I, I repeat a lot to myself. Yeah. Like, look, 
it is a lot better to be decisive than it is to be certain uh, because you're never going to be certain. But I also think it's important, like leaders, uh, people who are attempting to do the right thing, who are attempting to do the best thing for the most people are always going to want more information. They're always going to wish that there was a little more time, a little more info, a few more options, right? Right. And I think that what great leaders do is they make decisions that generate options and they make decisions that generate momentum. And so if you feel like this is, you wish that you didn't have to do this, that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It fundamentally means that you have this sort of innate ability that either you were born with or you developed that I think is really important in leaders, which is a constant desire to generate more options. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part about leadership sometimes is when there just isn't the time or there simply are no more options and you kind of feel as if there's always going to be this little feeling inside of you that that's your fault. That's right. Uh, and, and that's okay. Because I think that that sort of mindset means that you are going to make the best decisions possible. So let's not lament that feeling. Let's embrace that for what it does bring us. Yeah, you know, you actually touched down on one of the, I don't know if you realize this or not, you touched down on one of the 14 leadership traits of the Marine Corps. You knew oh, you really? Were, yeah, you knew you were doing that. Come on. It was decisiveness. And it's interesting because the Corps chose 14 specific leadership traits to plant in all of us. And certainty wasn't one of them. But decisiveness was. And oh, well, I th- yeah, you, you could. Yeah, I was going to say that that makes total sense because you can't have one of them. You can do the other. That's right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think in that situation, people go, yeah, I understand why they need to be decisive. Lives are on the lines. It's it's quick judgment that they have to make in those situations. But then again, in in the business sector, if you're leading people in your teams, your business, livelihoods are on the line. So you have to be decisive and you have to be, you know formulate as much certainty as you can, but you're going to have to make the decision sometimes before you have all the information. Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, once when I was in the desert, uh, an owner of a company, I, he was, you know, he did desert tours and I asked him, what do you, what do you look for in people you hire? Cause I'm always fascinated by what sort of, is there a thing that when you see it in an interview, you're like, okay, this person is for me. And he said, you know, I look for people who appreciate the power and the importance of momentum in life and business. And he said, you know, we're out here in the desert, we're driving along. And he said, most people think that going slowly is a better way of going in everything because you have more time to think, you have more time to adjust. He said, but if you go too slowly in this job, the sand is going to take over and you're going to get stuck. If you go too quickly, the sand is going to take over and you're going to lose control and you're going to get stuck. He said, the key to this job is that you always have to be moving forward with the right amount of momentum, even if you're not entirely sure what your next move is going to be. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's kind of like a shark. It always has to be moving. Sure. And he said, so what we realized is that a lot of people get wrapped up in these five-year plans. Like, we have to know where the staircase goes. We have to know where the path is leading us. He goes, never worry about five-year plans. Worry only about creating five-year momentum. Always be moving uh, Always be moving fast enough forward that when it comes time to change direction, when it comes time to make an adjustment, you have the momentum necessary to have control. That's right. And he said, I always look for people who recognize that momentum is more important than a plan. And he said, because plans limit your options. Like you only consider options that fit into the plan. But if all you ever ask is which one of these options generates the most momentum to keep us moving forward for the next decision – you tend to be a lot more open-minded to what decisions to make. And so you can never be certain. So what you do is you evaluate every decision based on, okay, what generates the most options? 
and what maintains the most momentum. Even if we don't know where we're going, at least we can say, okay, for now, what maintains the most momentum? And I've always liked that. Don't worry about five-year yeah. plans. Worry about five-year momentum. That's right. I think you have to have balance, and I think that's one of the things leaders struggle with is just finding that balance in their day-to-day, in their week-to-week, in any planning that they do, in any execution they do. I think they really struggle with having that that balance of moving at the right speed, you know, and, and, yeah. and not, not moving so fast where they trip on themselves. And I, I, I would swear you, I, I would have to say that it sounds like you were in the Marine Corps at one point because you touched down on another concept that they have, which is the 70% solution. And what they believe is get a plan or a set of orders to 70%, launch it and course correct along the way. You'll never get it 100%. And I see so many leaders striving for perfection when they really should be striving for progress. Oh, I like that a lot. Uh, progress over perfection. Yeah. That's a really, really good way of looking at it. Then again, who am I to argue with the Marine Corps, right? Well, yeah, they've been doing it for a while. They got it right. I just, I just borrow some of their concepts. <laughs> so one of the things I really like that you said was getting people to shine brighter. Now, the, the logo for my company is a light bulb, so that one really hit me. But I feel that one of my greatest rewards as a leader or a coach of leaders or someone who trains leaders is when you see the light bulb go off in them. When you see that they have the power inside to impact it. And I think sometimes that pathway on leadership seems like a dark path, almost like not just not lit up and it's scary. And when you can shine the light on it for them and they feel comfortable taking those steps, you can actually see those aha moments. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about getting people to shine brighter. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, you have to plan on it, right? It, it, It can't be something that just happens if you do your job well. It has to be something that's fundamentally part of your right. job, right? Um, so like, oh, if you do a really good job at what you're doing, maybe some people will will find a way that it empowers them. I'm like, no, no. Part of your job, part of all the best leaders' jobs is to make sure that every day they're helping other people move closer to a goal. It's actually one of the core – I have a set of questions I try to ask myself every day to make sure I'm living my core values. Right. And one of them is what have I done today to make it more likely someone else – We'll move closer to a goal. And when it's funny, I say as a speaker, your goal as a speaker is to sometimes make people stop listening to you. Because the same way you just said when that light bulb goes off, if you're talking to someone and you actually sort of see them go off, like their eyes kind of wander off to the side because of something you've said, they stop listening to you because you triggered something in their brain that has got them thinking. Mm -hmm. And your goal is to sometimes make people stop listening to you while they sort of start having a conversation with themselves. But the challenge is, and I think that we have to recognize, like one of the things I really want to encourage anybody listening to, to think about is to start recognizing that there are things that are learned even though they are never explicitly taught in our education system. And the vast majority of us went through an education system that embedded certain lessons that I believe can be very dangerous. Now, look, the education system is the most important, empowering liberating system that we've got, it can also be the most limiting and destructive one that we have. And one of the things it teaches us is that we are competing with one another. And so one thing I want to get across to a lot of the students that I've worked with is that, look, if you can outperform 90% of the people on the planet in anything, and that's what we're taught to do is to try to outperform as many people as we can at whatever we do. If you can outperform 90% of the people on the planet, at anything, you're probably going to make six figures. You're probably going to have cool titles. All right, that's just how supply and demand works. But 
if you could become the type of person where everyone who works with you outperforms everyone who doesn't work with you, mm. that's when you're indispensable. And if I can tell anybody, and I don't care how old you are, what to make your goal in life, we are taught. Okay, let me not say taught. We learn. Sometimes it's not even taught. We learn our job is to outperform as many people as possible. I would say we're going to have to unlearn that lesson. And we have to start to realize our fundamental purpose in life is not to outperform everyone. It's to become the type of person where everyone who works with us outperforms everyone who doesn't. Because then you are someone living a life of empowerment. And so always be asking yourself, what am I doing to become that person? Because too much right. focus in the education system and in our workforce comes on from saying, okay, if you're better than other people at something, that's what your goal should be. No. Nah. Your goal should be to become the type of person who makes everyone who works with you better than everyone who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that is a, is a mindset. And I mean, we could talk for hours about how to do that. But ultimately, we have to start with the acknowledgement that the number of people who could do that, the number of people who make everyone around them better is a much smaller number than the number of high performers there are in this world. They're rare and they are far, far more impactful and they're indispensable. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be don't try to be. Don't try to be the best. Try to be indispensable. All right? It's, I think it's much rarer. Well, and I also – one of the things you said that I absolutely love is that these are learned behaviors. In other words, a lot of people approach me and say, well, people are just natural-born leaders. And my opinion, my thought on that is there are no natural-born leaders. I made a choice to lead. I made a choice to put people as a priority. I made a choice to impact people, but I had to learn how to do it. You know, even in, I think even in a higher education, even when you attend um, leadership courses, it's not really the pure leadership that you're expecting or that we may teach about making an impact or communicating differently or empowering them or becoming that dynamic communicator that translates a message. I feel that people can make the choice and we have the tools and the resources that they can learn that behavior, which really ties back into everybody can be a leader at some capacity. Yeah, and, and look, we—I think we all. One thing we really have to reflect on is that um, by if we treat leadership as an exclusive club, like making people believe that leadership is an exclusive group is beneficial to the people in the group. All right, so people who have gone through and risen to these positions where they have titles and money and influence, it benefits them to make people believe that not everyone can be a leader. Right. And there's a lot of different things in society that are like that. And so the idea when people say, oh, are you saying everyone can be a leader? I'm like, yeah, I'm not apologetic about that. Right. And there's a bit of an eye roll and they're like, oh, really? Like, do you think that so-and-so should be CEO or so-and-so could be president? And I mean, that's probably a bad example right now. But ultimately, the idea that I don't believe that everyone can be a CEO. I don't believe that everyone can or should be a, a president or a manager. But I do believe there is a form of leadership to which everyone can and should aspire. And I think that recognizing that there are many forms of leadership does not diminish the forms of leadership that we have been taught to revere. Right. All right. To say that everybody has the capacity to identify the values that are most important to them, to endeavor every day to create a plan to live and, imp and impact other people using those values. And when they do that, they are leaders. All right. My argument is that if you identify what it is you want to stand for, the values that you want to live, and you create a plan every day to live those values, I believe that that is a form of leadership 
I believe it will have benefits to the people who do it. I believe it will have impact on the people around you. And I believe if you create a plan to identify and act on your values every day, I think your career gets better. I think your relationship gets better and you think your, your life's, life gets better. And I think creating and acting on a plan to make your career, your relationships and your life better is leadership. Yes. Now, everyone can do that. Yep. That, that does not mean everyone can be president or CEO, but I also think it doesn't diminish how important being president and CEO is. I don't think that it's a zero-sum game, right? Like We somehow diminish what we've traditionally called leadership because I'm saying, and I think you are as well, that choosing to have an impact on other human beings, if you're a janitor, if you're a bus driver, all right, if you just started at the company yesterday, I don't think the calling moments of interpersonal impact leadership diminishes at all the leadership that people at the top of the company are showing. That's but right. It is, it is leadership. And I think that if we start to empower people to believe that's the case, they're more likely to do those things. And I think that that really results in positives for all of us, don't you? I agree with that. And in fact, you said something really important, which is leadership extends into your life. It's not just in your business or with your team, that company. I think the most important part about leadership is it doesn't clock in and out at night. In other words, you take it home with you. You are a leader here. You're a leader in your community. You're a leader in your family. And you've got to have those core values and those principles that you can stand on. I think that when people are in a management role but they do not wrap themselves in leadership, they can easily clock out and shut that off at night. But leaders, and I've been in management roles before, so I'm a fan of managers. I love managers. I was a shift manager and a branch office manager and a vault manager in the film industry. But I wrapped myself in leadership, and that didn't turn off. I still wanted to make an impact on somebody that I met at the grocery store. I wanted to make an impact on my family, not just the people that I worked with. And I think that leadership truly extends beyond anything that's in the four walls of the offices we work in. Well, you know, it's interesting as you say, you know, leadership extends into your life. I'd almost flip that. I'd say leadership extends from your life into your business. And it's weird because we've compartmentalized it. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. We should stop doing that. Mm -hmm. But the idea isn't like, oh, your leadership in your work extends into your life. I would argue that the leadership, your personal culture of leadership, how you lead yourself on a daily basis, that's what extends into your, your business and your, your work. Um, that I think is, is really important is that we kind of get it backwards sometimes. Oh, you should take leadership and extend it into your personal life. You cannot lead other people until you can lead yourself. And people who skip over leading themselves lose sight of a really essential fact is you cannot add value to other people's lives until you've added enough value to your own. And I'm not saying you'd be self-centered or that you, you aren't someone who always cares about giving to others. Sure. But if you are, if you are empty, all right, you have nothing to give. So like sometimes we yeah. treat leadership like it's martyrdom, right? Like right. I've, worked, I've worked 18 hours today and 100 hours this week and like someone acts as if that's leadership. I'm like, well, at some point you stop being someone who gives anything when you're like that and instead you just start to take uh, because you've got nothing left inside of you. So you've got to pull your energy and your hope from those around you. Right. And I, I really think you cannot lead others till you lead yourself. Leadership starts in your own life. Right. And if you are not like, look, at some point, I'm 305 pounds standing on a stage talking to people about making good decisions on a daily basis. I had to be like, no, I have no credibility if I am making constant poor decisions on a daily basis for my own health and my own well-being. I have no right to talk about leadership. Right. right? 
So eventually, when I realized that, I was like, you know what? I got to lose 100 pounds. You know, I have to become and, and forget how much at first I wanted to lose 100 pounds. And now I realize it wasn't losing 100 pounds I wanted to be I, or I wanted to do. I wanted to be the type of person who did things every day that made me into a healthy person. Like at first when we think about, oh, I want to lose weight, you're like, I want to lose 30 pounds. No, you want to change your life so you behave every day so that you are someone who is healthy. That's right. And so we sometimes mix up our goals that way. So I don't care how much I weigh now. I do know I'm fitter than I've ever been in my life. And so that's the goal is to, to change how you behave on a day-to-day basis. And that's where leadership comes from. You have to start with leading yourself before you have any right to lead anyone else or before you'll be effective at leading anybody else. Yeah. Hey, congratulations on the weight loss, by the way. I saw the two different TED Talks. You look great. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate and, that. And another thing, I do like your hats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I was my wife's caregiver through multiple battles with cancer, and I stopped taking care of myself, and I actually gained a lot of weight. I stopped eating healthy. I stopped exercising, and I put on a tremendous amount of weight. And yet I had all these goals that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to make an impact in people's lives. And I realized that when I set the goal of losing weight, it wasn't just losing weight. It was gaining control back in my life. And how could I make an impact in people's lives when I felt out of control? So I completely get what you're saying. And I actually turned the heat up on myself. I had lost 42 pounds in 90 days, yet my goal was 16. Yeah, I was was 216 pounds at the time. And I said, you know what, I just want to lose a goal of 16 pounds because I actually wanted to start my own company too. And I realized that if I'm going to make an impact in someone else's life, they have to see that I made one in my own. And when that goal started to become a reality and I started to focus on the reasons behind it and being able to impact people, it made me want to strive harder and do more on my own personal life. So at some point I could encourage people to do more in their lives. So I completely get what you're saying on that. I think that, you know, that's why I think... Leadership extends, you know, from your inside life, but, you know, into every aspect of your life, because one of the things I tell leaders all the time, that heat that you feel when you're in a leadership position or you're trying to be a leader, that heat is that microscope, that that magnifying glass of people analyzing everything that you say and everything that you do. And for us, especially you know, for me as a leader, I think one of my foundational principles is to lead by example. I want them to see that no matter where I am, that that's the same type of person in an office, in a supermarket, or at home, is that he's that leader, that consistent, unified, unwavering leader wherever he is. Do I always get it right? Absolutely not. But am I striving for progress? Absolutely. So I think that what you're saying uh, has so much merit to it. Well, thanks. And, you know, it's cool. Like, one thing I, I would say to people who who, who want to embrace the idea that they are a leader is the whole idea of day one leadership, which is, you know, what I rebranded my company as recently, was because I started to realize that when we evaluate ourselves as leaders and really as people, we spend a lot of time doing it over blocks of time, right? So we take a look at the last three months, the last quarter, the last year, and we're like, okay, what have I done? Like, have I earned it the right over the last quarter or the last year to call myself a leader? And that's cool. Like you should have, you should be looking over time to see if you're progressing. Like I like what you said, progress, not perfect. But what I started to realize is that if we always evaluate our leadership over these blocks of time, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that what creates momentum over any period of time is what we are doing on a daily basis, right? So what I always say is that, look, 
yeah, over six months or a year, I want to accomplish X, Y, and Z. But I, the reason I say day one leadership is I'm like, whatever voyage you're on, whether it's weight loss, whether mm-hmm. you know, I, I had to quit alcohol, um, I'm bipolar and coming to grips with that and, and treating that in a more healthy way as opposed to denying that fact because I didn't want people to hear mental illness and immediately sort of make their assumptions about that. You know, I had my day one as someone who left a, a solid job and started my own company like you did. Whatever voyage you're on, there is a day one to that voyage. And figure out what you have to, what you would do on the first day of that voyage and then just iterate it over and over again. Like, I don't know how I'm going to lose 100 pounds, but if I want to lose some weight today, if this was the first day, I would eat less than this many calories and I would exercise enough to burn this many calories. Hmm. And then I just repeated that. That's right. For 365 days. If you don't want to drink again for the rest of your life, you have to choose to not have a drink today. And then you repeat that choice as if it's the first day of sobriety for the rest of your life. And whatever you want, take that approach. What would I do on the first day of this voyage? And then repeat it because what you're doing there is you are celebrating every day of victory. And if you string enough day ones in a row together – what you're capable of on your 1,000th version of day one will be way more than your first version of day one. Mm. But it's always day one. And that, what that does is if you screw up, hey, who cares? It's day one. Everybody screws up on day right. one. Or if, like me, when it comes to sobriety, you strung however many hundreds of days together, you don't let yourself get too full of yourself because you're like, you know what? It's still day one. You screw up again tomorrow. So, yeah, Let's evaluate our, you know, let's have goals and let's try to move forward and let's make sure that we've got a strategy. But honestly, everyone, like figure out what a leader, the leader you want to be would do today and then just do that. That's right. And just worry about that. So if you want to, for me, if I want to have impact today, make sure I do one thing that embodies impact. If I want to embody growth today or class or self-respect, and these are all core values to me, make sure you do one thing today to live up to those things. And that's all you can control that's today. Right. String enough of those days together. All the big things you want in life. All the things that we've been taught represent leaders. You know, power, influence, prestige, titles. All of those things are the natural byproducts that come to people who make sure they act on their core leadership values daily. So it's the, those are byproducts. They're not goals in and of themselves. They are byproducts of hard daily work. And, and what, so we always remember that. And what I love about day one and restarting each day is that it eliminates the possibility of shooting for perfection. It, it allows yeah. you to position yourself to get better every day. In other words, have progress over perfection. That takes a lot of pressure off of people. Then they don't have it to have does. a hey, you don't have to have a perfect run. You can have a progressive run. And at the end and, of it, you can you can make so much more of an impact. Yeah, and I think the big thing too is that I look at trying to recognize there's these five or six questions I want to answer each day. And so on the days where everything outside of my control blows up in my face, uh, I can still get, I can still get three or four of my questions answered. Right. So it used to be on those days where everything out of my control blew up, I would think, okay, today was a waste. Now I don't think of those days as waste. I recognize their losses. I'm like universe one drew nothing, but I go home and I'm like, but you know what? These six questions I ask myself every day, to try to live the, to be the man I want to be, I got four of them today out of six. Hmm. And you know what? Everything else in my life sucked today. But I was the man I wanted to be 
in these four instances. That's right. And that that means your day is a loss. It doesn't mean it's a waste because if you string enough wasted days together in your mind, it changes how you feel about yourself and other people. But if you always give yourself this safety net to be like, man, nothing, nothing really went right today. But in all of that, I still found time to be the man or the woman I want to be. That that can be a really powerful mm-hmm. and important gift to give yourself. Well, you know what I love is that when people make the commitment to get on this pathway, this this journey, if you will, of leadership and start to embrace leadership and realize that they can make an impact, you never know where it'll take you. Who would have thought that when you started your company and I started mine, we'd be talking about leadership today? So people can have diverse backgrounds, but leadership can unify them, bring them together for a greater purpose. And and I think, again, let's reinforce it, that when we say leadership, we mean endeavoring to do something that matters every day. And mattering isn't like oh it's got to change the whole world like i said in one of my talks like there is no world there's six well at the time i said there's six billion understandings of the world there is no world so you change one person's understanding of the world you change the whole thing so like anyone listening to this like what did i say to someone someone told me the other day they're like can you name the last five winners of the nobel peace prize or the last five winners of the pulitzer the last five winners of the best actor oscar and i realized no but you could name five people who in the last year did something that fundamentally changed the course of even one of your days. Right. And that first group of people who win the Pulitzer and the Nobel, like those are the people we look up to as leaders. Those are the ones that we celebrate as having reached the absolute pinnacle of their professions. Mm. And we don't know their names. But those people who did something, and maybe not something huge, that fundamentally changed the way we looked at the world even for one day or even for one moment – we know their names. And so why is it that we evaluate ourselves against that first group of people as opposed to against the second group? Because we have everything we need That's right. to be one of those second group for somebody out there. That's what leadership's about, recognizing that. Well, and you know, I think that, I don't know about you, I took a ton of notes today, and I'm sure that my audience has taken a ton of notes. This has been extremely enlightening for me. I mean, I feel that I made progress today just by connecting with you. And and I just oh, wanted okay. to ask you, I mean, just can you share with my audience a little bit on how they can reach out to you, how they can learn about more, more about Day One Leadership? Oh, sure. Thank you so much, man. Uh, dayoneleadership.com, which is D-A-Y-O-N-E leadership.com, all one word. That's where I sort of house all the work that I'm doing. And, you know, I've talked about questions today but this idea of what, what would a leader do on day one if they wanted to get better, whether they were just starting out or whether you're at already at an impressive level, what we do is dayoneleadership.com. That's where you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. We are constantly trying to share insights on what leaders do on day one. And that usually is focused around here are the key leadership values that you may want to embody because what's important is that you figure out your own. So we talk about how you can figure out your own leadership values and then create a strategy to live them every single day. Because if you do that, you're going to create moments of impact or courage or growth, empowerment, class, self-respect, friendship, any number of things. What is it you want to stand for and how do you live it every day? And that's that's basically what we do. Dayoneleadership.com is where you should find all about it. Wow. Thank you so much, Drew. I can't even thank you enough for taking the time out to be on our show, being on the pathway to success today. I am a better leader because I got to spend some time with you today. Well, man, I feel the same way. And thanks for asking. Like it's, it's a pretty huge honor 
when somebody reaches out and says, you know, let's let's take an hour to talk about this. And, and man, you said a few things that, that are I'm going to have to sit back and really think about. And uh, no, man, I was not in the Marines. They don't let you in at 300 pounds. <laughs> they have a program to fix that, too, though. You know, that's what's great about the <laughs> Marines. Hey, you know what? Someday we'll share the stage together and we'll be up there impacting people together, Drew. I'd be honored, my friend. Hey, you have a great day. Thanks so much for everything. Thank you. Today is the day to make an impact, to walk the pathway to success as a leader. Connect with us at thinkgreat90.com, Podcast One, and iTunes. And remember, embrace the day and think great. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their missile collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.